Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. On this episode, we discuss on how to build a city, not just its walls, but also the people. Stay tuned here on Inverse. Hey, it's Justin from Inverse, and we've got a whole series of topics prepared just for you, pertinent for young adults. And we want you to get even more involved in our Bible study. So we prepared a Bible study guide called the Inverse Bible Study Guide. And you can access it by going to inversebible.org. From there, you can see all of our topics and study guides and materials and blogs and whatnot. And study the Bible and join our conversation here on Inverse. Welcome to Inverse, everyone. We are in the midst of studying a book uh, of the Bible. <laughs> it's called uh, Nehemiah. Uh, and uh, we're looking at leadership, different perspectives. And each week we look at a different portion of the chapters in the book. And here we are in chapter 7. And in the studio with me are my friends, my dear friends, and Sebastian. And uh, we're going to look at the Bible together and have a word of prayer so that we keep our Christianity in check and, and be nice. Amen. Yeah, be nice to Sebastian here. And, uh, Good luck with that one. Yeah, Jonathan, can you please pray for us? Let's please, pray. please, please, please. Father, we're so thankful again for your word. And we are so blessed as we study the many lessons on leadership in the book of Nehemiah. And we come to you now and ask for more. Uh, Lord, you have promised that you will provide. And Lord, we ask for insight, clarity, and we ask that everyone, not just us here, but everyone watching and studying this book will be so blessed and it will transform our lives, our families, our ministries, our churches, and it will enable us uh, to do your work uh, according to your will. Thank you, Lord, and uh, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are we're going to get straight into the verse here. Chapter 7, verse 1. Sebastian, can you read, read from verse 1 to 6, please? Yes, Capitan. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return and found written in it. These are the people of the province who came back from the captivity, of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his city. Thanks, Sebastian. So, Kelly, what's going on in... Oh, well, let's, let's go to chapter 6. So, what's going on in chapter 6? We can get into chapter 7. Okay, so, well, in chapter 6, there's the conspiracy against Nehemiah. There's more craziness going on there. But also, mm. the wall's completed. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the big shift at the end of chapter 6 into chapter 7. And now, what I love, you know, Nehemiah's not just like, okay, we're done. See you later. Yeah. But he's setting stuff up as it's completed. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a huge pivot here because mm. if the wall was the only objective he had to accomplish. He can just say, I'm done, and check yeah. out, like you said. He did a good but job. he's not. I mean, what, so what is he building now? 
Uh, he's not only building the city, as I mentioned, the opener, but he's so trying to rebuild the, the people, the community, yeah. the fabric of his, his nation. There. Yes, I wonder. Yes. You know, I wonder Definitely. that if if Nehemiah knew that that was going to happen, he mm -hmm. might have thought, "Hey, you know, these guys came back with Ezra. They built the temple. They're excited. Um, maybe he thought it's going to be pretty easy. Who knows?" Mm -hmm. Uh, but then um, he realized, I mean, clearly over the last couple chapters and, and, and weeks, mm -hmm. that there is a deeper issue here. Mm -hmm. These guys are emailing, you know, with Symbalat and then Tobiah, and they're, they're having these, there's mixing going on between Jews and others. Mm -hmm. There's other issues. He's realizing the spiritual problem here. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, hey, I don't, I have more to do. There's mm -hmm. a bigger responsibility yeah. here as far as spirituality. If we can rewind, rewind to chapter yeah. 1, verse 3. Uh, when Nehemiah gets the initial report, yes. mm -hmm. verse 3 says, And they said to me, the survivors, these are people mm -hmm. uh, who are left from the capital in the province, they are in great distress right. and reproach. Yeah. And then number two, the wall in Jerusalem, which is the project, that is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. Mm. So there's, o there's always this dual objective that he had in the beginning. But yes. what I love about it is the two are intimately intertwined. Mm -hmm. That the people impact the project and the project impacts the people. Yes. Uh, sometimes I think in our experience, maybe in my, my, my personality, we, we focus <laughs> either only on the people or only on the project. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sebastian, because you are the extrovert here, uh, you, you focus <laughs> on the people. And, I mean, I'm not you are a self-declared introvert, but uh, we have this, this ongoing ongoing debate. But there's others who I think, I think uh, the, the three of us are more project-oriented. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, we'd go to church one time, and all these people are coming in, and, and you have to say hello and shake their hand and, you know, be nice and all that stuff. But then I'm like, I, got, I have my programs, the bulletin, you know, and the bulletin is not done yet. And you get into that, you know, that mind, the choleric mindset. Yeah. And you're not mean. You're not ignoring these people intentionally. Focused. It's just you're focused. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you know, the photocopying is done, and you're folding, folding, folding. You're like, okay, next objective. i got to say hi to You know, it's this, this <laughs> one-track mind. But here the two are, are intimately intertwined, and I appreciate yeah. that about mm -hmm. Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. um, Jonathan, verse, uh, chapter 7. Let's go back to chapter 7. Yeah. And he's now handing off leadership to two other people. Mm -hmm. uh, how does he do this? And what are some of the qualifications he's looking for? Yeah, so he's realizing um, my time here is coming to an end eventually. Mm -hmm. And I cannot just be the one guy. We, we have, to, I have to pass on leadership. Mm -hmm. And so in, in verse 2, you see here, there's Hanani and Hananiah, the two guys that we already saw in chapter 1 mm -hmm. um, that brought the report. And he's asking them, he calls him my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Okay, mm -hmm. so these, the, the qualifications here are very clear. There's two things. He's a faithful man, mm -hmm. and I believe this is not just talking about faithful to God. This mm -hmm. is just, this is a man I can trust. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we know Nehemiah didn't have a lot of people he could trust. I mean, even <laughs> yeah, the prophets were right. talking against right. him. That's right. But now he's a faithful man and he fears God more than many. So this is a man who is... As we, we mentioned, I think, a term earlier in, in, a, in the season, holy boldness. This is somebody mm -hmm. who, who has, has emerged as a spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, hey, th these are men. And we know Nehemiah has good discernment from the previous chapter. Mm -hmm. These are men I can trust with the responsibilities mm -hmm. of the city. Mm -hmm. Can we talk maybe, um, we'll, we'll look at a little more about the qualifications. Yeah. And thanks for that, Jonathan. But um, this concept of passing on yeah. uh, mm -hmm. delegation. Uh, why is that a, 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 a prerequisite, a necessity for leadership? And especially in biblical leadership, how is that a little bit different? Mm. 
Sebastian, well, you're breathing in. Which when you, you when you think about, about <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the oxygen helps my mind think clearly. Um, mm -hmm. When you think about uh, successors, we always say that success without a successor is ultimately failure because the work success without, without a, success a successor is always failure. It's always failure. Oh, always, failure. Oh, always, always failure. Always failure. That, because that is, I like the wordplay there. Yes. Because you recognize the fact that. If you succeed, someone it, the work is always going to outlive you, mm. right? The project is always going to outlive you. Mm -hmm. Even if it's dying as you go on your way out, it's still present. Mm -hmm. And without a competent, faithful, dedicated successor, it is going to die. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, we, we oftentimes focus so much on being the leader that the project needs to get accomplished, we seldomly consider what it's going to take to maintain and sustain, mm -hmm. which may require different type of leadership. Mm -hmm. But in, in Nehemiah's character, it's not like someone like me, someone who has the same abilities, but he's thinking he needs to fear God. He needs mm -hmm. to have a fear, a, a, um, a, a regard for the work, a burden, mm -hmm. and he's got to be competent. He's got to be a faithful person, not only to God, but faithful in the tasks that are assigned to him. Mm -hmm. That ground-wise is, even if he's different than me, he approaches things different, that's okay. Mm -hmm but I know that I can trust him with this responsibility. Mm -hmm. What do we say to people who, who are in, people in circumstances that, that where leadership is not passed down? Uh, there oh. are many young adults who are in churches, and these young adults end up, end up growing, and they're, now they're adults, right? They're right. now 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, <laughs> and then you have the elders or whoever the leaders are who are 90, 100, 130, 170 years old, Mercy. and they refuse to pass down the, the leadership to a 60-year-old because they're not considered experienced enough or, 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 or mature enough. Well, how, how, do we, how do we handle that in our Christian experience, Callie? What can we say to that in your, in your experience question. that you've seen? <laughs> Well, uh, I haven't been 130 yet, so okay. I can't say from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But from my point, uh, so I'm still on the younger side where I'm trying to get into positions. Mm. And it is, um, I first just want to say before I answer that question, like it's a blessing to be trusted. Mm. Even especially. It's a privilege. It, it is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so nice because it gives me confidence that I might even have myself. Um, I've been in ministry positions where it's like, I can't do that. They're like, yes, you can't do it. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. But then by God's grace, I did do it. Mm -hmm. But I never would have been like, hey, I'd like to do this position. So there are some people who clamor for leadership. And there mm. are some who are like, please don't ask me yes. to do anything. Yes. I'm scared. Yes. But those people still need to be put in those positions because they're going to be used by God in that way. Mm -hmm. And I was one that would never clamor for it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you fail the next generation if you don't pass it down. You basically make them inept. You're, you're essentially neutering their ability to be the leader that you will need because you're not guaranteed to live tomorrow. You're not guaranteed to be here forever. Yes. And at the end of the day, those... It's very myopic to only consider of the time when you're absolutely yeah. the future. They, well, yes. you know, I'm here, and as long as I'm here, things are going to be fine. And it's like, well, let's be realistic here. Yes. Will you always be here? Have you accepted your mortality? Yeah. Have you accepted the fact that perhaps your opinions are not necessarily appropriate as the congregation has evolved? Yeah. And we need new leadership that's more connected to those kind of and elements. Even if the call of God transcends your lifetime, yes, it's not so self-centered during your lifetime. Yeah. That's right. That's a good question. That's a good question. I think a big problem is that um, people who refuse to pass it on uh, have the fear that what they pass on will, will be destroyed, messed will messed up, will be changed. It will not be perfect. As my ways are perfect. <laughs> and, but ultimately, when we think about it, we have to remember in the work of God, God is in control. And we, if, we, if I refuse to give another person an opportunity to grow and make mistakes but grow through them, 
I am hindering their character development. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, it, it is appropriate to give people responsibilities according yes. to their age and, uh, and uh, experience yes. uh, because it will develop them. Yes. Uh, it's more important that, that they have a character, a character transformation by the grace of Christ uh, than me holding on to a certain view of how I see this project has to be. Mm -hmm. So let's go to the other extreme. Uh, before we get there, Kelly? Yeah, really quick comment. Okay, just, yes, please. I think also a barrier in passing things on is the lack of self awareness. Yes. In the sense mm -hmm. of like, you, you, didn't, you weren't born at 50, mm -hmm. you weren't born with all this experience, mm -hmm. and you made mistakes and tripped along the way. Mm -hmm. And so, like, and that's like, so it's not like, oh, I only want to give it to like the perfect young person. There is no perfect young person, just like there's no perfect old person yes. or mm -hmm. in between person. Mm -hmm. So, in order to, like, you have to allow, you have to give someone else the grace that you were given yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, that self awareness, like, I made mistakes, so you can too. Be aware, be yeah, aware of your own. Well, let's go to the other extreme, because the other extreme is, I don't want this and I'm just going to give it to any <laughs> young person that, that that's alive. Oh yeah. And, and this, it, we have this philosophy of like, hey, pass it on to the next generation. And there's another generation uh, is like, hey, we want any responsibility that you're willing to give us. They may not even be, they may not even believe in God. They just want the position for the position's yes. sake. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, what do we say to that, Sebastian? I mean, that's, that's a personal pet peeve of mine to consider the fact that you're giving people responsibilities they're not qualified mm -hmm. for and haven't proven faithful enough to actually be worthy of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, I mean, you're doing, that's actually killing the church. It's worse than holding on to the position, mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, because Nehemiah found himself in the same position, but recognized, I got to give this to quality people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in, in churches, when we just pass it on just to pass it on and say, you're the next generation, mm -hmm. we're undercutting the church mm -hmm. and its growth. Mm -hmm. When we come back after the break, Sebastian's going to talk about this, this pet peeve of passing on the, the responsibility to another generation that doesn't deserve it. And how does that take place in the context of Nehemiah rebuilding the city? Stay with us. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back, friends. We are looking at passing on the responsibility to the next generation. And Sebastian, should we pass it on just to any young person out there? And you are getting a little bit heated. While yes, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a personal pet peeve of yes. mine because we should be passing on the work of God, not just to people because they are young, yes. but because they're converted, because they love God, because they fear God more than so don't many. don't just find any young person, but Absolutely find a converted not. young person. Yes, uh, especially for the work of God, yes. Precisely. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a disrespect to God to entrust the responsibility to be protecting his name and furthering his kingdom to an individual that lacks an ounce of the passion and doesn't even have a, a sense of the transformative power of the message that they're going forward to bear mm -hmm. and lead the congregation in. Mm -hmm. Well, let me bring up this point, and then we'll go to Kelly. In verse 2, faithful and fearing God are the two qualifications that are mentioned. Mm -hmm. And is it possible, is it possible to have faithful people, but people who don't fear God? Mm. No. Who, who they do, they do the work well. They may be logistically minded, uh, okay. but they don't really fear God. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. And then there's other extremes that they may have a good spiritual devotional life, but they're really not good 
and a particular work that they're given to. Right? Yes. So just because they have awesome devotional life doesn't mean they're going to make an awesome church treasurer or true. not even a church position, but really any 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 whatever Correct. position. That's but true. here he's looking at the two qualifications. One, they have a they actually have the checklist of all the things they they need to, and then second, the the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It's a a dual, and I think a very very practical point. That's there. true. Kelly. And so we just were talking about this this tension of like trusting but also not trusting too much and trusting in nothing. And it just reminds me when when I was 19, I was called by a very insane person and asked to run mission trips all over the world. Hmm. I still question that person's sanity a little bit. But um really a little bit. His name rhymes with Rebastian Raxton. Rebastian. Okay. Rebastian <laughs> Raxton. That's a weird name. <laughs> so, I was called to do this when I'm 19. And I'm I'm a high school English teacher. Sounds like Astro from Jetsons. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> When I think about my like uh, my students, some of them are 19, most are 17, 18. Like I wouldn't ask them to do a lot of things, but like that person, Sebastian, um, but also the other people working, like they had that trust in me. But it wasn't just like okay, go do it, bye. Check you later. Yeah. Like there was mentorship yes. and there was accountability. Yes. So it wasn't like, here, do this any way that the spirit leads. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was already a relationship there. Like, Sebastian and the people on the team knew me. And so there was, like, there was the trust, but there was still the standard. So it wasn't you take this and do what you want. But, like, you can do it in the Cali way, but it still needs to meet the standard. It's still defined in some yeah, way. Yeah, and I'm trusting you to meet that. So there's that balance of trusting, but I'm also giving you direction mm-hmm. and a standard to meet. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is beautiful? That God is willing to work through us, and we're all different. So God's will is not confined to one personality type or yes. one kind of person or one kind of person's spirituality. So true. It is, he works through our individual ways, and, and God's will can be worked out in different ways. In fact, uh, you know, I can do something in one way, and you can do it in a different way. You know, you can fold your bulletins this way, and I can fold the bulletins that way. Well, yeah. we don't fold bulletins that way, Jonathan. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think now. you need to pass it on. <laughs> it's time to pass it on. It's time to move on from the bulleted job. <laughs> but you're exactly right, because God is, is, is the type of person that he is responsible ultimately for the work. Yes. He's the one that told right. Joshua, have not I commanded you, which is saying I'm the one taking the responsibility for the results, right? You do what is right because it is right. You leave the consequences with God. But in every single instance, Joshua is not Moses. Mm-hmm. Moses is not Paul, yeah. right? Paul is not Christ. Like they're all very different individually. There's a room but for yet, individuality. Yep. But yet God is the one that's in control of the I, I think Amen. we need to Amen. make that clear to young people in the church today. Because mm-hmm. often, the, I mean, I remember growing up, I thought there's only one way of doing a certain thing. And mm-hmm. if I don't do it this way, if I don't copy that perfectly, you know, and, you know, in, in many ways in ministry, you can be like, oh, you know, this guy preaches this way, so I have to preach this way because he's successful in that way. No, mm-hmm. you have to fight in your own armor, uh, a sanctified armor, because, yes. you know, you surrender to God, but he's going to use you in a beautiful way, and he's going to use your individuality. God loves the way we are, and, and, and he wants to, to shine through our characters and through our lives. Now that he's built up the, the leadership or the next generation of leaders, mm-hmm. he goes into verse 3 and he says, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened mm-hmm. until the sun is hot. And he, now he's creating a TSA, Transportation Security Agency, for, for, <laughs> for Jerusalem. Verse 4, now there's immigration services and customs are input in. And he's issuing visas out to, I mean, he's getting into <laughs> the very fabric of city building here. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you all, why does he, uh, why does he filter through the, uh, the people coming in and out of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Sebastian? I think Nehemiah is concerned about 
obviously they've had a lot of enemies, a lot of individuals that have tried to oppose this um, particular work that God has begun. Yes. And when he's looking at reviving the Jews and reviving individuals who are inheritors of the promises of Abraham, understand the call that is upon their life, that all the families of the earth are to be blessed through them. So Nehemiah is very, very concerned that these individuals are not allowed to come into the city and that the individuals that are there are pure Jews who love God, who, who have been had what we talked about in a previous episode, that, that sort of message passed down to them. And through this revival of the, of, of the true Jewish faith and religion, he wants that to be built up. Mm-hmm. Before we start getting into evangelism, there's almost a sense it's like, I got to have revival myself. I have to be confident in my identity. Then we can start reaching out and, and expanding. But we got to be grounded in who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, bring a Bible verse to support what your thoughts are saying. Uh, chapter <laughs> 1 of Nehemiah 1 verse 8 mm-hmm. 1 verse 8, and Nehemiah, this is uh, the prayer of Nehemiah, if you remember. He actually quotes an Old Testament verse. He says that if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, verse 9. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest Mm. part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Amen. And that name specifically is Jerusalem. And yeah. if you even do a deeper study, we don't, we don't have time for this, but to, the name is in his people. That's yes. right. Now, the New Testament will take that and, and, and broaden it. But he's saying that very literally mm-hmm. for the Jewish people. Yeah. Yes. I, I think it's important to understand that, you know, we, we are often very quick like, well, you know, the Jews overdid it here and this is not right. No. <laughs> and this time, uh, in this period, yes. God's plan was to use Jerusalem and the Jewish people yes. as a light to the world. Yes. It was not until later that it was because up. it was opened up because yes. they it was always open. Because yes. the reality is, as a foreigner, you were and as, as a stranger within your gates, mm-hmm. right? You were allowed to fellowship with the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean you were a member of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. but if you wanted to be, you could be. Mm-hmm. That was the, always the plan. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus had to say, like, listen, guys, this is this is the way it's supposed to go, and so. Christianity, now it sounds like it's different, but it's really always been God's plan. Mm -hmm. So anyways, without going into too much detail there, uh, I think that here we see something that, you know, Nehemiah is trying to follow God's will and to go the right way. But as you said, we need to focus on revival. We need to focus on our identity first. And then we can grow and go from there. So he's setting boundaries. Well, he gets very specific here in verse Mm -hmm. 5. Then my God put it in my heart to gather the nobles, rulers, and people that they might be registered by genealogy. Genealogy. I found a register of the genealogy Mm -hmm. of those who are come up from the first return and found written. And then you go into the list of which we are not going to read this uh, this episode. But you have all those names, all the way down. And skip down all the way to verse 64. There's 73 verses in this chapter, but go to verse 64. Ooh. And the Bible says, Those sought their listing amongst those who were registered by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as the father. Oh, that's that's the priesthood. Uh, later on, where is it found? In? Oh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the verse I was thinking of. But here, they were so focused on the, the genealogy yes. that from this point on, and, and throughout even the Jesus' time, all that the Jews are really talking about is, what's your genealogy, your genealogy, right. genealogy. And they would, they would get into the studies of genealogy. Yes. And without your genealogy, you couldn't get into Jerusalem. The question is this. So how do we reconcile that? Is, is Jesus exclusive? Is he inclusive? Uh, how, do we, how do we reconcile this 
what seemingly looks like an exclusive mm-hmm. right to be in Jerusalem. Jonathan, you are you are I'm breathing you're in. Hum, humming <laughs> in. Hum, 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 no, I, again, I think it, there is a. Di- I think at both. Mm-hmm. Jesus, God is totally exclusive mm. because at the end of the days there will only be two groups of people. Mm. But until then, there is the opportunity to have fellowship, learn and grow. And if you want to be, become a member. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can be part of God's people. God's invitation is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, you can uh, explore Him. You can get to know Him. Mm-hmm. But at some point, uh, you will have to make a decision. Do I want this or not? Mm-hmm. And so God is exclusive, but He's inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he, 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 he's inviting all the time. He's calling. He wants us to be part of his family. Mm-hmm. And so when we make the decision and say, yes, God, you're so beautiful. I, I've hung out with you so long. You're so beautiful. I want to be with you. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we become members of God's family and we are included. It's, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful concept uh, and should inform the way we reach out to this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also find that this idea of exclusivity and appreciate, you know, that word is such a, an emotional word because like it that is, person's exclusive or like that, that's like bigotry. Mm-hmm. But in order to have standards, in order to have some kind of fellowship, there mm-hmm. has to be the option of not, mm-hmm. right? So in order for there to be God's people, like you have to choose to be there. Yes. And so it can't be like, well, everyone's God's people no matter what all the time in every single sure. context. Like that, that means nobody is because right, everyone right, is. Right, right. <laughs> And there's so, also safety going on yeah. in Jerusalem. He's also defining the enemies who don't want Jerusalem mm. to exist at Correct. all. Absolutely. Uh, and to, and to uh, contrast them with people of God's people. Yeah. But in the larger picture, we see that, that, that Paul, and, and they were into all the genealogies. And I love that what you said, God is exclusive. Mm-hmm. But with his standards of exclusivity, the only person who meets the standards of God's exclusivity mm-hmm. is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. Yeah? And, yeah, and so later on, Paul says, "Like, hey, avoid your genealogy. Your genealogies have no merit whatsoever. <laughs> yes. You got to get in with Jesus yes. and have His genealogy flow in your blood. And, that, and right. then in Jesus, we have access to Jews. And in that yeah. sense, mm-hmm. there is a, there is an inclusivity yes. in Jesus. Correct. Yes. Right. Because yes. because you had to prove through the genealogy that you had a blood relationship. Yes. Right with Aaron. Yes. And in a Jew." different people were rotating through David and the, the separation of the priesthood for you to serve, yes. you had to be a Jew. Yes. You had to prove a relationship to Aaron. You had to prove a relationship to Abraham. So in the same sense, we now move to a inclusivity in the sense that proving that you have a blood relationship to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? The Bible says in John 1.12 that to them who believed in him, he gave power to become the sons of God. Mm-hmm. To becoming a child of God is not something that happens simply by my own ability or only by my own merit, it's simply something that Christ gives to me in exchange for my faith in him. Uh-huh. And now we have a blood relationship with Jesus because I've trusted in the blood of Christ. Amen. And I love this because in around this table here, we all have different kinds of blood. Here. We have, yes. we have uh, Sebastian's blood of, of the, the, the Caribbean. <laughs> we have Jonathan's blood of Europe. We have Callie's blood of America. Uh, and then yeah. my blood, which is all of Asia. Uh, <laughs> all is, 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 of Asia. And, you know, we are of different genetic, well, maybe the two of you are more genetically aligned. But anyway, there's different backgrounds we come mm-hmm. to, uh, different backgrounds we're from. Mm-hmm. But in Christ, we have the same blood flowing in all of us. And not just the four of us, all, every, every team member of Inverse, every member who believes in the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. We are connected with the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus gives us access into the new Jerusalem. Amen. We want you also to be part of the blood of Jesus as well, flowing through your veins. If you haven't made that decision, all you need to do is ask. Thanks for joining us here on Inverse. We'll see you 
next week. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag InverseBible. Until next time, this is Inverse.